Today we're going to be talking about something very important. While I was on vacation, I was uh, reading a book, and uh, this book was talking about vision and what's important about making a vision that people will understand. And you know, a vision's not just for church people. It's oftentimes that's a churchy word, but vision is something you need to have as a family. Vision is something you need to have for your business. A vision is something that we all need to have for our lives personally, individually. And so I was thinking about this and trying to process it. And one of the things they talked about is that any vision should be a solution to a problem. And the reason that is, is because you have to provide a situation to people, a problem that's out there that they want to buy into and realize that is a real problem. And I believe you have a solution that I want to partner with for that problem. So I, I began to pray about it. I'm like, okay, God, if you're wanting to simplify anything, if you want to clarify anything, God, I just want fresh word from you, fresh direction, what you want to do in my life and, and my purpose, my vision as a person, as an individual. And so I can communicate and encourage others to find theirs. And so I just began to ask God, I said, Lord, what problem do you want me to partner with you to solve? I just like, if every vision has to have a problem, I said, Lord, what's What's my problem? I mean, no, that's an open-ended question when you start asking what's your problem. But I was asking along the context of what's the problem that you want me to partner with you to solve? And I mean quickly. As I said, Lord, what is, what is the problem that most people face that you want me to help? Because And what I do, and I know what God's called me to do, it's involved helping people. I believe everybody involves people one way or another. And so I said, Lord, what is the problem that most people face that you want me to help solve? And he said, here's the problem that I think that most things boil down to these two issues. People not knowing who they are and they don't know why they are. I believe, not just because it's what God spoke to me, but I believe that you should have some sort of ownership on what God speaks to you. I believe most problems in people's lives can be boiled down to do these two problems. People don't know who they are and they don't know why they are. So we're going to address that. And I, so as I uh, as I had him bring the whiteboard out, because I wanted to show you something. If you'll bring up the, our logo there on the screen, God began to talk to me about this and, and began to show me something because I said, well, is this some major change in our, our vision, our direction, you know, who and why? And he said, no, I'm just simplifying it for you. And I want you to know that the who and the why is what I want you to help solve. So, so I, I began to look at this and he, he had me draw this out. And, and when I look at this, which is our, our logo here. And so we got the cross, and again, it doesn't look quite like that. It's a little more graphic for people that are a lot better artists than me. But this is, you know, a rough sketch of what it looks like. And so I said, Lord, who and why? You know, what that looks like. And he said, now listen, here's how I want you to look at it right here. This is where you get your who, the answer to who you are. It's in your vertical relationship with God. Your who deals with your identity, who you are as an individual, your identity in life, who you really are can only be found in your vertical relationship with God. This is where you're going to find out the why, why you are, why you live. That's going to be a part of our horizontal relationship and how you work and serve with other people. So who we are is only found in God. Too many times though, we try to figure out who we are based on what we do. People are looking for identity and why they are. They get these confused and they're looking for why I live to tell me who I am. I don't know who I am because I don't like what I do. You see how it works. The only way you're going to know who you are this morning is through your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So we talk about these four things all the time. We want you to discover Jesus, freedom, purpose, and fulfillment. Well, how many knows that Jesus and freedom is only going to be found in our vertical relationship with God? We're going to find Jesus and freedom in our vertical relationship with God. That's found in who? So that deals with our identity. Jesus gives our identity. We find our true identity when we get free from junk that's clogging up who we really are. Sometimes when, when we get lost in sin and we start living a sinful life, a lot of times the problem is, man, you just don't know who you are. That's not who you are. That's not your best you. But once we know who we are, then we walk away from sin because we know sin doesn't have what we want. But that's something important. And then the why is where we talk about the other two parts deals with our purpose and living a life of fulfillment. So I'm putting these on the board and we're going to reference this today because, and throughout this series because I want you to know who we are and why we are is essential to us finding fulfillment in life. And it's only going to be found in Jesus. So we're going to, we're going to talk about this in, in a bunch of different ways, but I just want to bring some clarity to what it's about. And we want to, when we talk about who and why, remember we're talking spiritual identity here and spiritual purpose. And those are going to go together with our naturals. But I want to peop, have people help, uh, help them answer these two questions and see how it works for them. We've all had times in our lives where we've struggled with our identity and our purpose. I mean, how many of you have ever struggled with your identity and purpose? It's something we've had at different times in our life. And we've got to realize that when that happens, we've got to go to God to get our answer. And that's what he's directing us to. As human beings, many times when we don't know who we are or why we are, things will overpower us and start to control us that should not be controlling us. A lot of times when we don't know who we are or why we are, issues and things that we should be overcoming, all of a sudden we're not overcoming. And that's what God wants us to break free from. Thoughts of worry or anxiety can overpower us and gain control over us. Temptations to sin. We, temptation to sin begin to overpower us because we don't know who we are. If we understand that, then God's going to help us bring, bring strength into our life. Times when we've lost our temper and said things we shouldn't have said. Because in that moment here, when I talk about knowing who you are, I'm not talking about knowing your name. I know my name's Chad. But there's times in situations, I can know who I am in some situations, and I get another situation, all of a sudden, I totally forget who I am. Chad, that's not who you are. You're bigger than that. You're better than that. Why are you letting that thought control you? Why are you letting your mouth control you? That's not who you are. So you can know who you are in one situation and totally forget it in another and something jump up and slap you and you don't even know what happened. You're like, where'd that come from? You forgot who you were. Forgot who you were. So these are things that we want to work with. We want to find out how, this, how God wants us to tighten this up. Times that we get hurt or wounded and we forget who we are and offense can jump up and try to try to control us and overpower us. We're going to address that. Fears and insecurities and addictions, all these things that we're going to address in this time today. So, but thankfully, when we deal with identity and purpose, the Bible has a lot to say about identity and purpose. So you've got one right there in front of you in Acts chapter 19. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Kind of a different story, but it's one of my favorite. This story, along with several others, I don't like to be too overly dramatic, but this story truly changed my perspective in my life in many ways. 
And I'll talk to you about that and what it means. But let's look at this story because God talks about something pretty awesome here. In Acts 19, I'm going to start reading in verse 11. Now, God worked unusual miracles. Everybody say unusual. (laughs) Unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, And prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. How many knows that two streakers brought magnification to the glory of God? (laughs) That's not something you hear every day, but that's in your Bible. Now don't start streaking to magnify God. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) Pastor Chad said... I hear you. So now listen, here's what I want to get out of this story. A lot of things here, but I want to go back to the first and and verse 13 and start talking about some of it. It says, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves. How many times have we ever taken something upon ourselves that was more than we can handle? Has anybody ever bit off more than they can chew? Has anybody ever taken something upon themselves, a project, an assignment, a a situation, a relationship that wasn't necessarily initiated by God, but you just took it upon yourself? Usually when we do that, we end up working off of our own resources, our own strength, our own abilities, and we wonder why we're struggling in that situation because we took it upon ourselves. I want to talk about that, and I want to encourage us to make sure that we don't get caught taking things upon ourselves, but we're only doing what God inspires us to do. See, sometimes when we do it that way, we'll, we'll get caught, and maybe you've had this situation where you get caught complaining and wondering, why is God not helping me in this situation? How come God's not pulling me through this situation when we didn't even take the time to ask God if he wanted us to do it in the first place? Complaining, God, why aren't you helping me? But you didn't ask God if he wanted you to take that job. God, why am I struggling? You gotta help me. This job is stressing me out. It's causing my stress in my family. He's like, wait a minute, you didn't ask me whether you whether you whether I wanted you to take that job or not. You didn't ask me whether you wanted me, whether I wanted you to buy that car. You didn't ask me whether I wanted you to buy that house. Now all of a sudden you want me to come in. You took it upon yourself and now you're dealing with things that God didn't put on you. I know it's a little tough to hear, but we all need to hear it once in a while. We take things upon ourselves and we wonder why we're weighted down with stress and cares. And God said, wait a minute, you're taking something I didn't even ask you to take. So we don't want to be like them. We don't want to take things upon ourselves because it begins to weight us down. Or See, I want to ask you, are you partnering with God to accomplish what he inspired you to do? Or are you asking God to help you fix what you took upon yourself? Are you partnering with God for his agenda? Or are you asking him to help your agenda? 
I'm preaching to myself just as much as you, so we're all in it together. Am I waking up every day and say, this is what I'm going to do, and God, I'm asking you to bless it? Or am I waking up every day and I'm saying, God, I'll only do what you want me to do? Big difference, big difference, because if we keep taking things on ourselves, we'll start to get some stresses and some cares that aren't ours. We'll start taking things that people are just dumping on us that we didn't ask to take ourselves, they just dumped it on us. How many of you have ever felt like you cared more about a situation than the people that are directly involved? (laughs) You took their care upon yourself, got all up in their business because you wanted to help. Be careful. I'm not saying you don't offer to help people. I'm not saying you don't get involved with people's lives. I wholeheartedly believe in it. I live my life under that. But you got to be careful. You start taking things upon yourselves that God didn't ask you to take. Matthew, Jesus was talking about this, and he said this statement to them. He says, come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We need to learn from Jesus. We need to learn from him. He says, For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is... How many wants to sign up for an easy yoke and a light burden? I'm not saying we won't ever have troubles. I'm just saying we'll make sure and be partnering with the one who can give us the strength to do what he's asked us to do. He's obligated to help me do what he asked me to do. But the things that I do myself, that I take upon myself, I'm going to have to carry myself. Mm, mm, mm. Some of the problems, some of the stresses and anxieties in our life are self-inflicted because we're taking things upon ourselves that God never asked us to take. Staying up at night, worrying and stressing over things that we can't change, we can't do anything about. We're caring about it more than other people. I'm just giving you freedom right now in Jesus' name. Just receive it. Just receive it. He said, don't take these things upon ourselves. I I believe this, what the scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 6 says, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Can I say something about this real quick? Under the mighty hand of God. I was reading this scripture and I always taught it, you know, get under the mighty hand of God, slide under it. And God showed me something there. I like how the same scripture, God can preach it multiple ways. But I always talk about the hand here and get under the hand of God. He said, no, I want you to do it this way. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, if you get under my hand, you ever try and carry something with somebody else? And if you get under their hand and carry it, guess what? Their hand is between you and the item you're trying to carry. And they're holding a lot of the weight for you. So he said, I want you to get your hand under my hand and I'll help you carry whatever I put in your lap. Get your hand under mine. I'll carry this for you. You know, if my dad, when I was a little kid, if my dad was carrying something and I put my hand under his, I could walk down like I was carrying it myself. <laughs> Look at me carrying this thing. I wasn't carrying a lick. He had it himself. He was carrying all the weight himself. But I looked like I was carrying it because I had my hand under his. That's the way God wants you to operate. Get your hand under his. You'll look to everybody like, well, how are they just breezing through this life? How come they look like they got no problem? Because I'm under the hand of God and he's carrying me through this situation. 
He's carrying me through my problems. He's carrying me through my stress and anxiety. I'm still dealing with junk, but I'm just walking through like it's easy. I'm not straining. I'm not sweating. My dad is. He's sweating, straining. And I'm just walking through. That's the way God, that's a yoke that's easy and a burden that's light. He wants you to get under that hand of God. Because look what else happens. Exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Ladies and gentlemen, some of the things that we're carrying, we need to be casting. Some things that we're carrying, we need to be casting. So what's weighting you down today that you need to throw over onto God? What are some things that you're carrying that you need to be casting? What have you taken upon yourself that you need to be casting? How many what-if scenarios are running through your head about things that might never happen, haven't happened yet, but you keep rehearsing them over and over? What if this? What if that? Well, I'm afraid this. I'm afraid that. How many times these things weighed us down? He says, take those cares and cast them. How many things are weighting us down that we need to get rid of? Look to your neighbor and say, chuck it. You just need to chuck it, man. You need to chuck those cares. Some things we're carrying around, God says, chuck those things. Why are you worrying about that? What if scenarios that might never happen? What, what if I lose my job? What if you don't? What if this happens? What if it never happens? Well, what if it does? What if it doesn't? Worrying about what ifs. Stop worrying about what ifs and put your faith in the one that can provide you no matter what happens. Thank you, Jesus. I'm preaching to myself here. He's encouraging me. I hear you, Lord. I hear you. So just say, chuck it, chuck it, chuck it, buddy. So now let's look at what happened here in verse 13. So these, some of these itinerant Jewish, when you say itinerant, that's just a word that means they traveled. So they traveled around as exorcists. They were traveling exorcists. This was their occupation. They went around, and so, again, there's a place you call itinerant ministers. These are people who don't necessarily have their own church. They travel around and speak, and there's a place for itinerant ministry. It's very important, but these were itinerant exorcists. So they would travel around because demons were plenty, so they thought, I've got a good career path here. I'll go on. Evidently, exorcism has a great retirement plan, so they were serving as itinerant <laughs> exorcists. And so they come around, and and it says they took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And notice what they said. They, so they come into the house and, uh, and they come to the house with this demoniac, this person that's demon possessed. And they, they said, here we are. We're in town. Anybody that has demons, we're here. We'll come to your house and we'll exercise them. So they go into this house and notice what they say. They say, we exercise or we solemnly command you. That's what that word means. We command you, we adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now the word preaches just means to publicly talk about something. So in essence, they said, we, we command you in the name of that Jesus that Paul's been talking about. That was what they said. We command you in Jesus whom Paul preaches. You got it. You got what they said. So that was their, that was their role. That's how they went about. That was their, their phraseology. Now look what the evil spirit says. That there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest who did so. There were not, uh, scriptures uh, studying tell us there weren't, these weren't seven guys at this time. Most scholars believe there's only two of them. There were all seven of them actually do. It's a family business. Exorcism was a family business for the sons of Sceva. But most scholars believe there were just two of them in uh, this situation. So they, and so then now that verse 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, I love what he said. 
Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. Now, that's important. This is why we've got to study the Bible. That word know is the same in the English language, but it's two different Greek words. When it said, Jesus, I know, I give that to you there in your notes. It's a Greek word, gnosko, which means I know very well. Like personal experience. It's like, oh, I know Jesus. I am well aware of Jesus. I have a personal knowledge of Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind. When you say Jesus, I got that. I know that cat. And then he says, I know Paul, I know. And that word know there is a different Greek word. And this Greek word means like to be acquainted with. Like if someone comes up to you and say, hey, do you know Steve? And you say, well, I know of him. We say that all the time. What's that mean? I've heard of him. I know somewhat about him. I just don't know him personally. Well, that's what this evil spirit was saying about Paul. I've heard about Paul. I don't know Paul personally, but I know of him. In other words, Paul was starting to build a reputation that evil spirits were starting to hear Paul's doing this Paul guy. What's this Paul? Who's he? Paul. I know of Paul. I know of him. But then he says something else. He says, but who are you? But who are you? See, this scripture really helped me one time when I, when I first started studying the scripture, Jesus being mentioned, that's a given. You know, everybody knows Jesus. But once they said they knew of Paul, that gave Chad Everett a lot of encouragement. It gave me encouragement, but if they can know Paul, then they can know Chad. It gave me confidence that there is a reputation that is built in the spiritual realm. I know of Paul. I've heard of him. I don't know you, but I've heard of Paul. So it gave me encouragement to know that there's a difference that I can learn to grow in the things of God and I can develop a reputation that they didn't know Paul because of Paul's name. They knew Paul because Paul's ability to understand and use the name of Jesus. It wasn't about Paul, it's that Paul knows Jesus. So, so they said, we know Paul, but, but who are you? So now let me talk about this, who are you? He was, it wasn't asking, he said, are you one of uh, Oskiva's boys? When he said, who are you, he wasn't asking that. Who are you? What's your identity? Who, who are you? See, what was happening, what was the problem? They were trying to do something that they'd either seen Paul do or they'd heard Paul preach about, but they did not know for themselves They were using words they had heard Paul use, but they did not know or have the revelation behind those words. See, it's one thing for you to hear something, and it's another thing for you to know something. If you don't know it personally, it will not benefit you personally. You can hear a word, you can hear a message, you can see someone else operating in their authority and you can think, that sounds cool, I'll do that. But if you don't know your authority, if you don't know who you are, then those words will be meaningless. That's why it's important for us to understand the kingdom of God. It's not about the magic use of certain words. It's about the meaning and it's about the revelation. It's about knowing in yourself, I know what I believe. He says, who are you? Who are you? Do you really know what you believe or you just been following other people? See, because they give no answer. There's no record of their answer. He says, who are you? And there's no record of the answer. So evidently they didn't have an answer to his question. So here's what I want to throw out. Identity 
brings authority. Let me tell you a story to illustrate this. We were on vacation. Identity brings authority. We're on vacation and they want to go shopping. Shocker. So, so we want to go shopping and they want to go to this great big outside mall, right? More stores, the better. So anyway, we go to this place. Parking is horrendous. You can't find a parking spot. It's really difficult. So we finally find a spot and now it's walk everywhere. And so we're walking all this place and then Hallie and one of her friends decide they want to get their ears pierced again. So like we start walking and it's all the way on the other side from where we parked to get her ears pierced. So they're both under 18, so I have to go. I didn't know this. I'm not up on ear pierce stuff. <laughs> but so, so I have to go to give permission. I thought, well, just go get your ears pierced. No, dad, you've got to come. You got a sign. So we go and we walk all the way up there and we get there and my, our friends are there with us and, and they're in front, they're going first. And I just happened to overhear them ask my friend for your ID. And I was like, oh. Because I had just stuck my cash and my cards in my pocket. I didn't want to carry my wallet around. So I realized at that moment I didn't have any ID. So I had to walk all the way back. <laughs> I love my kids all the way back to the van, turn around and walk all the way back and bring my ID because she did not believe, without my ID, she did not believe I had the authority to give her permission. She did not recognize my authority until I could prove my identification. In essence, she was saying, who are you? I'm her dad. Not to me, you're not. I need to see some ID. So I want you to fill this in here. I gave you some notes because I, I wonder how many times in our lives our authority has been questioned simply because our identity was uncertain. I wonder how many times. So here's, here's what I want you to put in there. Uncertainty of identity negates legitimacy of authority over the enemy. Uncertainty of our identity negates legitimacy of our authority over the enemy but then the converse of that is also true that certainty of our identity in Christ confirms legitimacy of authority over the enemy. How many times in our life has our authority been questioned because our identity was not certain? People say what you don't know doesn't hurt you. I totally disagree with that. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. What I don't know about the kingdom of God absolutely can limit me because I don't know everything that Jesus died to give me. And if I don't know that it's mine, I will leave it on the table. I will accept something that I don't have to accept. I'll not go after something that I have a right to go after. If you don't know the rights that you have and the privileges as a son or daughter of God, you need to know your contract. You need to know it. And if you know it, then you have a right to go and demand that all those benefits comes to you as a son or daughter. Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We have certain benefits and privileges as sons and daughters, and we want to we jump into that, and we want to embrace all of them. So now let's look at what happened. So what's the value? You say, Chad, does it really matter if I know who I am in Christ? Here's what happened to me. I could say a lot on this topic, but just for time's sake, I'm just going to address it a little bit. 
There's a value in knowing who you are in Christ because I came out of the theology and out of the teaching that said, Chad, if God wants you to have it, you'll have it. If he doesn't want you to have it, you won't have it. So I really was totally and completely out of control and out of responsibility. All I had to do was exist. And if God wanted me to have it, I would have it. If he didn't want me to have it, I wouldn't have it. Pretty easy life. But that's what we're taught. But that's not what my Bible teaches. That's not what he teaches. He doesn't teach me even that about salvation. He teaches me if I want to get saved, I have to do something. I have to believe and confess with my mouth. So I have to do that. So there's some believing. I have to release my faith to receive all the benefits that God has for me. And it's not just in forgiveness of sin, but in every area of my life. I got to exercise the authority. He said, behold, I give you authority over the enemy. I give you authority over the enemy. Well, now we got to exercise that authority. So now here's what happens here in, in verse 15. He says, who are you? And let's They didn't give an answer, so verse 16 happens. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on him. That word leap means just to jump on him. He got to jump on him. Got to jump on him. Overpowered them means to control them, have dominion over them, and prevailed. He was strong enough. Prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Naked and wounded. So notice what happens. They said in verse 13... In essence, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rough translate this. They said, so that we can apply it to our lives. We want freedom. That's what they said. We want freedom. We want freedom from bondage. And the evil spirit said, who are you? How many of us have wanted freedom in our life from something that's holding us back and the evil spirit has said back to us, who are you to want freedom? Who are you want freedom from that addiction? Who are you to want freedom from that offense? Who are you to want freedom from those fears and insecurities? Who do you think you are asking for God to give you freedom? Who do you think you are to think you can get past all of that? Do you realize that your mama, your grandmama, your great-grandmama, everybody had this issue? Who do you think you are wanting freedom? How many times have we wanted freedom from something and the enemy screaming in our ears saying, Who are you? We need to know who we are so that we have an answer so we can declare back to him, this is who I am. I am a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ and whom the son has set free is free indeed. I've got to answer. I've got to have an answer, a response. Because the evil spirit will question your identity, he will ask for a proof of ID. I want to get my ears pierced. I want to get free from anxiety. Who are you? Who, oh, yeah, you're right. Everybody struggles with that. Never mind. I want to get free from this pornography addiction. Well, who are you? Who do you think you are? Oh, yeah, you're right. All guys have that problem. I want to get control of this temper. I, it's got control of me. Who are you to control that? Your daddy had the same problem. You've always had a bad temper. You even say it all the time. I've got a horrible temper. Who do you think you are to get free from that? Oh, you're right. Never mind. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I'm just a worry wart. I'm just worried. I'm afraid of everything. I I want free from this, but I don't have. Who are you to want to change your life? It's a great movie one time. Trying to think of the name of it off the top of my head. It was a really great movie. Something night, night, night tales, night. The night's tale. That's it. The night's tale. I was close. Thank you. 
the knight's tale. And this little boy asked his dad, he said, is it really true that you can change your stars? I'm telling you through the power of God, you can change your life. You just got to know who you are. You got to know who you are because that evil spirit's going to keep whispering to you, who do you think you are to get free from this stuff? Who do you think you are to change your life? I tell you who I am. I didn't do it on my own. I didn't purchase my own freedom. Jesus purchased my freedom for me. I'm just one who chose to agree with it. And once, because if we don't know who we are, these things will continue to control us. You'll want to break free. You'll want to break that addiction. You'll want to break that habit. But it will keep overpowering us if we don't know who we are. We've got to know who we are. It will always control us without this answer. I know who I am in Christ. But once we know, everything changes. It could be like David, the story of Goliath. David comes up to the battleground. Many of you know the story, and I just want to insert this quickly, this part of the story where David comes up to the ground and Goliath's yapping in the background. He's saying, who are you to all these soldiers? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I'm Goliath. Who are you? They're all intimidated because they don't know who they are. They're all hiding because they don't know who they are. Saul forgot who he was. They all forgot who they were. Goliath, I know who I am. Who are you? So David comes up and he hears this and he says, uh, what's going to be done for the guy who kills this guy? Because he says this, watch what he said. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the army of the living God? Who is he? Notice what he's saying. David was saying, I know who I am. Who is he? He said, here's what he said. I I killed the lion and I killed the bear and I'll kill this guy, whatever his name is. (laughs) Notice the man's powerful principle right here. You got to catch this. He didn't need to know all the details about Goliath. (laughs) All he needed to know was all the details about his living God. Too many times we're spending more time getting to know our problems than we are our problem solver. If we'll spend all of our time understanding and knowing the solution, then we will say, who is that? David didn't even know who it was. I know I will be victorious. Why? Because I know who I am. Romans 8 says it this way. If God be for you, Who can be against you? So here's what you got to write down. If you know who's for you, then who's against you is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If we know the for, the against is irrelevant. He did not care if his name was Goliath, George, Jerome. He didn't care what his name was. He didn't care his height. He didn't care how much his stupid shield weighed. I don't care. All I know is that I serve a living God and I've got a covenant. This guy's uncircumcised. He don't have a covenant with God. I know my covenant. (laughs) And if I know my covenant, I know who I am, then you plug in. You fill in the blank who's against me and it will not be victorious over my life. Goliath, okay, check. Who else you got? Why? And it's not being bragging. It's not being bad because he knows who his God is. 
It's not about, I know who I am. I'm David without God. I know I'm Chad. It's not about without God. I know my hand is under his hand. And whatever he brings across my path between the two of us, we're going to be able to work it out. So I'm asking you this question this morning. Who are you? Who are you? People walking away from God because they forgot who they are. That's not who you are. Going out and doing these things, that's not who you are. I mean, if you find out who you really are, those things will lose control over you. Because this, man, I need a little more time. You don't preach for three weeks, so you get a little, a lot of stuff you got to say. But listen, the control, hear me, hear me. The control is a lie. That's the best part. The control is a big, fat lie. And all I got to do to get free is know the truth. Once I know the truth, bam, the lie's broken. The power's broken. I'm not under his control anymore. I just don't believe the lie. Know who you are. Know the freedom that Jesus died to give you. What's controlling you? What's some things that you're carrying right now that you need to cast? I want you to do some chucking today. Chuck some worries, chuck some anxieties, chuck some fears, chuck some what if scenarios that are wearing you out. Get rid of that junk, chuck it. No, I'm gonna cast that and I'm only gonna carry. Some of you have done a lot of taking upon yourself. I just take it upon myself to, uh-uh. Let that Taylor Swift anointing of shake it off come on you. Just get rid of it. Get rid of it. Shake it off. Shake it off.